a common, common question, a common issue in the church for people that maybe like church, don't like church. All the people that have ever come across church have asked this question. Why does the church want my money? Tithing, what is it about? Why is it important? I have so many questions. And I have heard from you guys multiple times that you want to hear a topic on tithing. So I'm pulling in my husband who is a doctor in theology. And so I figured we'd pull out the big guns, bring him in and answer all these practical questions for y'all on tithing and money in the church. Let's jump in. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. Oh my gosh, before we dive into the episode, I had to make sure to share this exciting news with you that Java with Jen officially has a merch line and a coffee line. Holla! You can go grab a snuggly sweatshirt, a trendy graphic tee, and a super cool coffee mug to go with your delicious, organic, and naturally sourced coffee from Didami Coffee, who have so generously partnered with me for our coffee line. There are multiple styles in the merch store, which will give you something inspirational and on trend to wear every day of the week <clears throat> designed by yours truly and there are workout clothes phone cases mugs so many options as well as a dark and medium roast coffee so much goodness you do not want to miss this that's at javawithgenmerch.com javawithgenmerch.com go check it out and if you order something throw it in your stories on social media and tag me so we can see what you're loving that's javawithgenmerch.com go check it out Okay, so one topic, you guys know how much I love pulling in your questions into my episode topics because those become some of my favorite episodes. Well, one that you guys have brought up a number of times and that is actually a hot topic in regard to church life, whether you're a church goer or a church don't like church person, whatever, is tithing and giving money to the church. So because this is um, actually something with a lot of theological um, substance behind it. I wanted to bring in my husband. There's a lot of practical to this topic, but there's a lot of spiritual implication as well. And so I brought in my husband who is a doctor in theology. Say hi, babe. Hi, babe. <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk to tithing and why does the church want my money? So we're going to dive in on the, we're going to, we're going to tiptoe our way into the water and get deeper as we go. But very, very fundamentally and practically, some people don't know this. Babe, why does the church want our money on a very tangible measure? Why? Why does the church need money? Doesn't God drop money out of the sky for them? He doesn't. No, God set it up for us to, uh, in a community to give to our local church so the church can provide for the spiritual uh, and financial needs of people in the community you know whenever you get in trouble financial trouble one of the first places that usually get called is the church and the church needs resources to reach community and then to do what they do in counseling and ministry and yeah. feeding the poor and raising kids and kids church and your youth and youth group and those take the resources of the church are put toward that mm -hmm. but in addition to that the church this is not necessarily need your money to function per se as much as the primary thing is for you to be blessed in your finances in obedience to God's word in giving of the tithe 
is what blesses you in your finances. And when you're blessed in your finances and able to give, then the church also is a recipient of that abundance that you have in your life. Yes. So there's really a couple of dimensions to the tithe. Um, I remember, okay, I'm going to lead with this cool story. So there's a passage in, I think it's Malachi, that um, talks about if you bring your tithe into the storehouse, he will rebuke the devourer from off of your life. And when I searched that out, rebuking the devourer applied to every aspect of your life. That meant the fruit of your womb. That meant the health of your body. That meant the, the peace of your heart, the peace of your mind, the finances in your hand. Like literally meant every aspect of your life. And so there was one time I was in the shower and I found this lump like in my armpit near my the edge of my breast tissue and I was like "Uh oh and it was not a friendly little lump and so I was like kind of watched it for a number of weeks and it started to make me concerned and and so I was in the shower one day and I looked at it and I was reminded of that promise because I had just studied it in Malachi that the Lord would rebuke the devourer even off of our physical health and so I put my hand on that little spot and I said Lord I'm a tither and I have a covenant with you that you will rebuke the devourer from off of my life if I'm in if I'm tithing. And I am. So I ask you to rebuke the devourer off of the health of my body in Jesus' name. And the next morning I woke up and that lump was gone. Come on. Yeah. I pulled on that tither's covenant. So there's a whole lot more to tithing than just money going into a pot on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're diving. Okay. So Stephen, elaborate a little bit because some people view tithing as like, if you don't give, like God is watching. And if you don't give your money at church, he's going to strike you with lightning and everything's going to fall apart (laughs) in your life. And it's like this big, massive problem, but I have a different perception of Mm -hmm. God's heart behind it. Why don't you share some, speak to that? Well, tithing is the only way that we keep financial gain or monetary gain from taking control of our life. We refuse to be generous in giving and number one, obeying God's word when it comes to finances, then finances will slowly creep in and take the throne of priority in our life. And so the way you keep that uh, monster, if you will, or imbalance from happening in your life is obeying God's word. As with every other principle in the scriptures that God gives us. If we disobey, then the the venue or the uh, thought, the uh, discipline that we're disobeying in will eventually become out of discipline and destroy our life. And so tithing is, um, the reason we do it, number one, or give 10% is to give God the priority in our finance, saying, God, you're more important than the money I have or the money I make. And then we're not just giving him a tip being God, we're giving him in obedience to his word, the first 10%. And we get this idea from Malachi chapter 3, and there's three passages you can check out. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 12, and then Matthew 23, 23, for those people that think tithing is an Old Testament concept, Jesus himself uh, told people to tithe. And so Malachi 3 speaks of God uh, correcting Uh, the children of Israel at the end of the Old Testament, and he challenges them, are you going to rob me? And and they say, you know, kind of response that, how are we robbing God? You know, like, can I really take money from God? And God assuredly says, yes, you're cursed with a curse. 
when you don't bring the tithe. Because what is the curse that we fall under when we're not tithing? The curse is we begin to see priority of money being the answer to our problems and well, not the Lord being the answer to our problems. Yeah, and there was also a curse at creation over the toil the sweat of the brow and the toil. And so that's the curse I think of is that there was a curse literally on our ability to provide for ourselves because of sin. When he spoke to Adam and said, there will be a curse. You'll by the sweat of your brow and the toil of your hands, will you bring forth a harvest? And so in other words, it would be laborious and difficult and that money can just like slip away, disappear kind of thing. Yeah. So there's a, there's a curse on money from the get go because of sin. Well, and I think, I mean, if you go to Genesis chapter 3, where you read that, the text actually says, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In the sweat of your brow and the toil of your hands, you will um, have to work to basically get food, and then eventually the ground will consume you, and to dust you'll return. Mm -hmm. The curse is that it's going to be a struggle to live, and God offers us a way out of that struggle. Not that we don't have to work, but we can break the struggle to live, by putting our reliance not in our ability to work mm-hmm. and make a profit, but in God's ability to bless. Yes. And that's why the blessing, as it speaks of in context of blessing of Abraham comes, God spoke the blessing over those who walked in obedience to him. And now in the New Testament, it's not reciprocated it's merely, by our, our, merely by our blessing. Because we believe on the Lord Jesus, that, kraus, that curse, I'm sorry, is broken and because Jesus has become a curse for us. But yet, just because Jesus has broken the power of the curse doesn't mean we're allowed to walk in disobedience in our finances, right? That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 6. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So the, the discipline of tithing reminds us the priority of God in our finances. Mm-hmm. The curse has been broken, but yet if we rob God, if we break the law of giving God the first, then we still fall under that curse even though Jesus has paid the price. So let's put it this way. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. One of the law, in addition to tithing, the law says do not murder. I can't go out and just kill people thinking Jesus paid the price for my sin, (laughs) right? Same way, I can't break the law that God has put into place to redeem my finances thinking, well, Jesus has paid the price for my prosperity. You know, that's just foolishness, right? But because the curse is broken, I in obedience honor the Lord. And that's what Proverbs chapter three verses five to 12 speak of, you know, that passage we know all the time, or we quote all the time, trust in the Lord with what all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. We love to quote that passage because it it clearly tells us that the pathways by which to navigate through difficult times, right? First is we trust the Lord with all our heart. The second thing is what? Don't lean on your understanding. And then what is the promise? In all your ways, when you acknowledge him, he will what? Direct your path. And then he gives us a little um, a tip. He says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It will be what? Health to your flesh. Strength to your bones. And then tied in with those promises, your vats will he be says what? Honor the Lord with your possessions mm-hmm. and with the first fruits of all your increase. So the first that I give to the Lord, that tithe, that 10%, When I give that to the Lord, what am I doing? Honoring the Lord. Now, if I don't have an element of trusting God with all my heart, not leaning on my own understanding, fearing the Lord and asking him to direct my paths, then when I step into that realm of needing to be obedient and tithing, fear is going to come up. Trust is not going to come up, right? I am going to lean on my understanding. I'm going to say, well, if I give away this money, I'm not going to have the deficit that I'm giving away or I'm going to have 10% less. I'm going to work with 90% instead of 100%. Well, that's leaning on your understanding, right? 
uh, and then you're asking, you're hoping that your finances will direct your path, right? Or make a way for you. And here clearly he says what? Honor the Lord with your possessions. And then what happens? You have to trust that God's going to take care of your finances. And as you're obedient, not just in the tithe, but also in the rest of your money, being a good steward of that, right? And then he says what? Your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wines. And then I like verse 11. Which is the promise of abundance and blessing. Yep, it's abundance. And then the last part of that passage, and we could go on for more, but he says, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. And so a lot of times when we don't agree with things, we try to find ways to say, well, this doesn't apply to me. And the truth is tithing applies to everybody. Mm-hmm. Old Testament, New Testament, uh, you know, if you don't lay that uh, priority of giving God first 10%, then you're going to live like the rest of the world that's not under the blessing of God. Yeah. Does that mean people that don't tithe are going to be miserable, horrible financially? No. It just means no matter how much money they have, they're not going to find the assurance of God guiding their life. They're always going to rely on their wealth. You know, it's never never going to be enough. Yeah, but wealth can disappear. Okay, but I like, I feel like what, wait, this is where I lean. I think Stephen, because he knows all the scripture and all the things, he maybe leans a little more Old Testament-y thinky, thinking, where it's a little, little more must-do fear of God, which I agree with, but... For me, a turnaround in my thinking, I used to feel as a kid, like if I didn't tithe, I was afraid. Like I was afraid that some curse would fall on my finances, which, okay, maybe there's a little bit of truth to that. But for me, I feel like I stepped into the concept of grace when I realized that the tithe is not because God wants to beat us over the head with another rule. It's not like God just has a fun making a party out of all these rules he gives us. But every rule or instruction he gives us is actually there to reverse the impact of skin, of sin and death in our life. And so just like he says, you know, like... Um, to tithe, well, I was, th- I was trying to go another direction with it, but to tithe, it's because he wants us to inherit and to get out from underneath the curse that came with sin, the curse of by toil and striving and struggle, will you provide for yourself? And so when I saw that the Lord was like, hey, the tithe isn't because I'm just trying to lord something over you and keep you a subservient slave. The tithe is because God's heart is to free us from the bondage that sin brings, which is loss and suffering and lack. Just the same way as with our bodies. Our bodies can get sick, but God introduced healing so that we can step into healing and health and he can work in our bodies and break the impact of sin over our physical bodies as well. Mm -hmm. So that's where my brain goes when I think about the tithe. I think about the way that it's a doorway out from underneath a curse. Okay. Is that how you think about it at all? Well, if you go back to the passage in Proverbs 3, and I think what you're saying is just another way to look at it. It says, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Mm -hmm. And tithing is a departing from the world system of thinking about finances. Yeah. Right? And so I think many times when we live under the blessings of God, we can sometimes forget how detrimental disobedience can be. Yeah. And so it's not that God is the is perpetrating or, or let me put it this way. It's not that God is instigating new judgments against people that disobey. He's telling us we're in a broken world that will crush you. And the way to get out is tithing. Exactly. Right. 
And so in that context, there should be a, a certain fear of the Lord when you're disobeying the principle of tithing. Why? Because you're slowly beginning to, your mind is slowly beginning to believe the lie that I can live a financially successful life without fearing the Lord. And no matter how much money you have, you're going to slip into that hole. And so the, the consequence of sin is always death. And I know some people are going to think, well, Stephen, is it a sin to tithe, to not tithe? Absolutely. Why? Because God's word clearly says to tithe and disobeying what God has said to do, that's called sin. Just like God's word clearly says, you shall not commit adultery. If you commit adultery, is that a sin, Stephen? Absolutely. It's God's word clearly says you shall not murder. If I go out and murder someone, guess what? That's sin. Why? Because God's word says that's wrong. And so the boundaries of morality, of life, of marriage, of finances, those boundaries are put there to protect us. Yes, number one. That's, a, I should say, to protect well, us, but then to honor the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's how the, the, the culture of relationship that God wants to foster with us, yeah. those boundaries are put in place. Well, and God wrote into both the nature of the world and the nature of mankind the laws that he set in place. So it's like, even though we think, where did we get all this from? If you look at it, everyone intrinsically, intuitively knows it's wrong to murder someone. They just know. They just know it's wrong. Even if they've seared their own conscience and have grown to not have a conscience about it, they still know and would admit that is a wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. Because in our hearts, God has put his laws. And uh, anyways, and so, okay. So with the tithing, um, where does the 10% rule come from? So we can look at that passage in in Malachi chapter 3. And of course, the concept of the tithe goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, you know, where Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel, and they give their tenth, the first, the, the best of what they have to the Lord. I, I, Cain brings, I'm sorry, Abel brings um, the, the best of his, his flock to tithe, to sacrifice to the Lord. Cain kind of just brings whatever he can bring. And sure enough, God has favor toward Abel's offering in that concept. So it goes back as far as Genesis. But Scriptural context, we can look at Malachi, and the word tithe literally means what? A tenth, as we've translated here. And it means the first tenth. So if I have a $10 bill, uh, or 10 $1 bills, which one is the tithe? It's the first one, right? And that means, you know, before Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, all the payroll deductions come out, the full gross income that I make every paycheck, 10% of that, right? That belongs to the Lord. And so just the word tithe within itself tells us it's 10%. It's the first 10%. Okay. Um, and also hitting on his previous point about how tithing protects your heart. I could kind of hear people saying, wait, but there's all kinds of wicked people and people who don't tithe who are wealthy and prosperous. Mm-hmm. And that's true. You will find people that. But you'll find that the people who their wealth is a blessing usually have habits of being generous and giving to the poor, giving to the needy. They're still tithing, if you will, even if they're not tithing to the church. There's a that principle of generosity manages their money. And so their their money is a positive fruit of their life. Whereas you see people like George Soros, who they're wealthy like crazy, but they're wicked. And so they're wealthy, but their hearts have become wicked. And so there's not, 
not that tithing concept. And so anyways, the tithe does release, um, it, it changes your heart attitude because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, what about, this is one that Danielle asked, what about when I'm between churches um, or I'm not attending a church, am I still to tithe or what do I do with my tithe? That's a good question. I mean, the, the concept, of course, in the Old Testament and in the, the early church was, you know, um, there wasn't that ability to hop from church to church. And so it was just in your community, there was only one church or, you know, that's why all the New Testament letters are written to cities because there was only one church in the city. Uh, and not I mean one structure, but one organization of church. So when you're between churches, I, I mean, you still want to give God your first 10%. And so I would just say, you know, until you find a church to go to, stay, stay with the church that you're at financially giving to. If you feel like you're in transition, just honor the ministry that's poured into your life for however many years that you've been there mm-hmm. by continuing to tithe there until you get a release to go wherever else you're going. And then, you know, your tithe goes with you there. And because that's the place that's ministering to you and you're part of that family of believers, then, yeah. you know, that's what got, that happens. But I would, you know, some people like, they kind of shift gears. Well, I'm going to give to, you know, this nonprofit and the Red Cross and and that. And really the tithe isn't indicated. It's for the work of the ministry that God, it's for the work of the ministry and it's for the, the house of God, the church uh-huh. that does the work of the kingdom. That's where I should go. Yeah. If I was between churches, but let's say I was, I was watching, uh, you know, Hank Cunnaman's church online and they were just blessing me and I was being fed by them, whatever, whether I was a member or not, if I didn't have anywhere to send my tithe, I would send it like Stephen is saying to whoever's feeding you. And so that's what I recommend when people are in between. Is that exactly what you just said? Uh, not really. And I think, you know, parachurch ministries like, you know, prophetic guys and those. He's a church. He's a pastor. Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I would just say, you know, the local church is where, um, I, I would just stay with your local church until you move to another church. Yeah, I was just saying because churches are online now. Right. If you're in between churches and something online is feeding you and it's a church, send it there. Um, I've known people that have sent it to a ministry like Joyce Meyer's ministry or whatever um, because they're still teaching the word. They're still doing ministry. I think I think if you're in between churches, there's flexibility, but it needs to go towards the ministry of preaching the word wherever that is. And so, anyways, okay, is there a curse that comes on my life by not tithing? Okay, we kind of talked about that one already. Um, what about, practically speaking, tithing? Do you do it before or after taxes? Before, before your taxes. Because if the government takes whatever percentage it takes, you want to give it to the Lord first and then to the government and then payroll deductions and those kind of things. So, yeah, it's before taxes. What about the fact that a lot of people, when they get paid, their taxes come out right off the top? And then they tithe because they're left with what's left. Yeah, I mean, the, the concept of the tithe is, you know, you're, before everything else is taken out. And I don't mean like time-wise, because obviously if it's auto-debited, you can't get to it before. But that lump sum amount that before it gets all the stuff deducted out, that's what you're calculating your tithe off of. Mm, okay, makes sense. Um, now, I in the past, I usually, because the Bible says you tithe off of your increase, I always considered that whatever goes into my wallet. And so I would always tithe off of what came off of my wallet. And then when I got a tax return, I would tithe off of the tax return. I don't know if that's the right or wrong way to do it, but it's always worked for me. Well, I mean, the concept is, you know, we go to the scriptures, the tithe is the first. And so 
um, before all that other stuff. And I, I get you're getting the increase, even though the government's taking it from you, but mm-hmm. you should tie it off of the, the initial amount that you get. And then, and then so the other question is, you know, do you tithe on your tax return? Well, you've already tithed on the taxes. And so yeah. you might as well set aside. So you don't, t- I usually But don't I tithe. didn't, I didn't tithe off my sure. taxes because I was tithing at, with just what my, my net was, right. not my gross. So anyway, so see, there's different ways to do it, but um, that's Stephen's, I, Stephen's suggestion. Okay, tithe on the tax return or gifts. Tax return, if you had not already tithed on your taxes, then you tithe on your tax return. Otherwise, if you've already tithed on your taxes because you tithe on your gross mm-hmm. before everything is taken out, then it's not really necessary on the tax return because it's already tithed on. What about gifts? Yeah, I mean, I think the tithe, it always implies income from labor that you've done. So you tithe on the income that you receive from labor that you've done, whether it's agrarian culture in the Old Testament, it was the first you know, harvest or the first fruits or whatever, uh, first 10% of that. So gifts are not necessarily income. That's just somebody giving you something. So mm-hmm. it'd be like, you know, you don't tithe on Christmas presents and birthday gifts because those are gifts people are giving to you. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily income that's coming into your hands. Now I, on the other hand, see, look, you can be different even in the same household. I actually do tithe on if I get monetary gifts. Now it's a gift card. That's really hard to do. But if I get cash for my birthday or something like that, before I use anything, I tithe on it just because to me that's increase, you sure. know, like the Bible says. And so I've always viewed that as, it, but again, it's just the cash because I can't tithe on a on a, a new blouse or whatever. So anyways, okay, so those were all the questions I had. Can you think of any other questions that people commonly bring mm. up? Well... You know, the number one objection to tithing is I don't have the money to tithe. And the truth is, it takes a a little bit of discipline. So, you know, if you're struggling with tithing, you might need to look at your expenses, see what I can cut out. You know, I might need to turn off uh, my internet, internet, you know, channels and stuff like that, Amazon and Netflix and things like that. I mean, 10% is not a whole lot. You know, the Lord is graciously only asking for 10% to honor him. He's not asking for 80%, 90, uh, 60% or whatever. Um, so you you have to make some cutbacks. And I will say though, the more you are determined to get to 10% and you start moving in that direction, you will see the blessing of God. You might not win the lottery the next week or, you know, not the, winning the lotteries in any way, you know, <laughs> scriptural or whatever. Me. But you might not see massive blessings, but you're going to see the blessing of God start coming on your life. Yeah. And then as you're bringing your tithe, it's just not a it, it's not an isolated financial element of discipline. If there's bitterness in your heart and there's spiritual things that are going on in your life where there's unforgiveness and there's sin in your life, those things have to become in alignment mm-hmm. to work with the obedience that you're doing in tithing. Like Jesus says, if you come to the altar and bring your gift and there you remember that your brother has, you sinned against your brother, or your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar, go and reconcile with him first, yeah. and then come back and put your gift in the altar. And so it's not like I can trick God into blessing me just because I tithe, but right. I can leave all this other stuff undone in my life. Right. If there's sin in my life, if there's broken things in my life, I have a responsibility to go to the Lord and say, God, I need to fix this as well, in addition to the discipline of, of tithing. Now, um, share, share Curtis's story and how he kind of evolved from I mean nobody listening really knows who that is but 
how he how he went from and just that concept of how he grew into that obedience of tithing. He shared this at church a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it was a good friend of ours that, that shared a testimony as we were kind of walking through the journey of discipleship with him. You know, he started off very similar uh, comments that we hear a lot of time of, I don't have enough money to tithe. And he, had to and he, he literally, he, he, they literally didn't have enough money. They right. didn't have the extra 10%. So for them, it was an intentional adjustment because yeah. they made just enough to pay bills and sometimes not enough to pay bills. Right. So him and his wife sat down and, um, you know, cut, cut out what they could cut out. And I think, uh, you know, they got a few, two, three percent, up to five percent initially, and uh, just started giving that. And surely enough, the Lord started speaking to them, and giving them ideas. And then financially, they started getting ahead. And it took a while, you know, it took a while. It took a few months for them to get to a place, if I remember the story correctly, to get to a place where they finally could get, you know, the whole five percent. And then once they got to that, the Lord started dealing with them about giving the complete ten percent. And it's funny, like, even if we take baby steps toward obedience, the Lord's not going to condemn us. Right. But you still have to get to obedience, you know. And it's like, why, Stephen, why is it Why is it 10 and not 9.5? Well, because kind of at the end of the day, you say, because the Lord said so, you know. <laughs> like, if God doesn't have the authority to speak into our life, this is the principle, and we negotiate it all the time, then he's not really the Lord of our life. We're the Lord of our life, you know. And we're bartering with God the level of obedience then he's not really God anymore. You're the God. And so submitting to the Lordship of Jesus in, in the area of finance, he says 10%. That's exactly what we should go to. Anyway, so our buddy, you know, finally got to 10%. And he he tells the testimony so well. But in, in within a, a, a year's time, the Lord so incredibly blessed his life financially. And it wasn't like, you know, they, you know, found a bar goal in the backyard or something, but just slowly over time began to bless them with, resources and wisdom and the the devourer quit was was stopped that we were losing money and health problems and this problem and that problem so the finances started coming in and then eventually within i want to say within a year he was able to retire mm-hmm. and you know they they were set and they were like you know billionaires or nothing but the lord really set them up with some incredible breakthroughs and miraculous things and we don't tithe just to get stuff but you should know that when you're tithing, the blessing of God is going to step into your life. Yeah. Listen, I've been tithing since I was uh, a kid, 16 years old. I yeah. mean, it was just a discipline my parents put in my life, you know. Mm-hmm. Never had any questions about it. And I'm not saying that to say, oh, well, look, I'm doing it all right. I'm just saying it's a first a matter of determination in your mind. Listen, I'm going to tithe first, then I'm going to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to believe God to have enough money to cover all the bills. And if I don't have all the money to cover the bills, then I've made room for God to do something miraculous. Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, Stephen, that's kind of a big jump. That's what is called a walk of faith, right? (laughs) And there's many times where there's been, you know, in our family where we didn't have a whole lot of money, but we always tithe and then we stretch it out a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, and give God room to do something miraculous. And sure enough, he always does, you know, he always does. And we always do, of course, our part to be good stewards. You know, we're not like... We're not like, I'm tithing and I'm going to blow this money however I want and trust God to take care of us. Like right. you have to, you have to pair wisdom with obedience, right? And yeah. so there's definitely a partnership there, but I appreciate the concept of like the faith aspect. You're always going to get to that crossroads because God wants you to get to that crossroads. He wants us to live in a place where we 
are secure financially, not necessarily because of the paycheck, but we're secure financially because we know that no matter what the paycheck looks like, God's got us. God's going to take care of us. And so I remember um, one friend, a friend from Bible school who'd reached out on Facebook. I had made a post about, I don't remember, something prophetic or I don't know what it was. And maybe finances, maybe it was a testimony. I don't know. Anyway, she messaged me and she said, generally, she said, I'm just kind of at this point, my husband and I, where I just need someone who hears from God to pray for me and tell me if you see or hear something because we are desperate for a breakthrough. And she began to tell me her story of how they have been regular tithers and even would give above and beyond their tithe um, at times, but that they were never making quite making enough to make ends meet. They had just miscarried their baby. They were about to foreclose on their home. And just like, it wasn't adding up. They're like, we're doing what the Bible is saying. And yet we're still suffering all this loss. And we don't understand why. And so I went into prayer and I was like, okay, Lord, if you've got something that I can share with them, please show me. And I immediately had a picture of them having kind of like their hearts were condemning them when they would make money. And I believed, I saw what it looked like was that they had taken on some religious mindsets, some religious mentalities around finances, that they felt like wealth was bad or that money was evil. And that because of their wrong mindset around finances, that technically becomes unbelief because faith and belief is when you believe in the truth. But if you believe in anything other than the truth, you're technically getting into unbelief. And so I contacted them and I shared that with them. And I said, I just feel like you're missing out on the promises of God, not because you don't believe him to provide, but because you have wrong beliefs about money and finances and wealth. And God wants you to line up with his idea of money and finances and wealth. And so they were like, okay. And so she said that when they read it, they just both wept because it resonated with their hearts so much that they, they did. They carried an old school philosophy that money was bad. And so they decided you know what, if that's the case, then we're going to throw out everything we've ever learned about finances. And we together are going to search the scriptures everywhere. It says money, tithing, abundance, wealth, anything like that. They were going to obey what they saw in the word and they were going to believe what they saw God saying. And so they began to restructure and build from the ground up new beliefs about wealth and prospering and finances and how God wanted them to handle it. And so she messaged me back like three months later. I think he had also just lost his job earlier too. And so she messaged me back and she said, I wanted to give you an update. She said, we started restructuring the way we believe. She said, we're still tithing. We've always been tithers. She said, what we changed is what we believe about money. We started building our belief around the word of God. She said, I want you to know my husband just got a new job and it pays three times what his last job was. She said, we're able to keep our home now because we don't have to go into foreclosure. She said, we're able to get caught up on bills and begin to pay off debt. She said, and 
we just found out that we're pregnant again. And so it was like the blessing of God came on their life in such an obvious way, but it wasn't just because they were obeying with tithing. It was because they were obeying with tithing, but they took on God's beliefs Mm -hmm. around finances, wealth, prospering, and tithing. And Mm -hmm. so that faith element around finances is actually really crucial because faith is how we inherit the promises, right? It's good. It was so good. So anyways, okay, so you guys, that's our episode on tithing. We have one little life hack for you to help you in this area. So don't go anywhere. Okay, we have a couple of life hacks for you um, to help you in this area of giving. One is fundamentally just do it. Literally don't think about it. Just do it. Because if you take it off the top, just do it. Don't even, I literally my whole life, I have not entertained the idea of not tithing. It is automatic. And while there have been times I've had to believe the Lord for finances and financial breakthrough, mm-hmm. I have w- way more miracle testimonies I can tell you about than anything. Yep. Um, and so that's the first one. Second one is find your church's giving app. We have a giving app called Tithely, and it is a lot of churches use Tithely, but a lot of churches have their own thing. If you find the easiest way to give online, whether that's through texting or whether that's going through your church's website or their giving app or whatever, find the easiest way to do it and just build it into your to your regular system of doing things, and that will make it that much easier. Um, the other thing we thought about for any of you guys who are like, hey, I'm a tither, I'm good, mm-hmm. I actually want to expand on my giving. <laughs> we didn't even cover that in the episode, did we? Uh, if you want to expand in your giving and you're like, I want to give 15% or what about offering? What if I want to start doing more offerings that's above and beyond the tithe? Something my husband and I started doing was we created an account in our budget, you know, like we made a little budget for specifically giving. So 10% Mm -hmm. is our tithe and it's like a type of savings almost where we'll just put an extra 5% or 10% or whatever it is um, into that giving account. And then when an opportunity arises, like Prophet Phil comes in town or there's a guest missionary in town or whatever, and God moves on our heart to be benevolent with Mm -hmm. someone, then we take it out of that account. And it makes it easy because we're prepared to be generous and it protects our hearts. It, it gives us, honestly, giving is joyful. Like it's really a fun thing to do to know that you're prepared to give mm-hmm. money to people when they need it. It's and good. so um, Stephen also mentioned that when it comes to tithing, some people, you can set up like an auto debit if that makes it easier for you to be disciplined about it, where you set up an auto debit with your church's um, payment structure or whatever, and they can just auto draft it. Sometimes that can get complicated if you don't get paid really regularly, routinely and stuff. Um, But my husband and I both um, like to pay it independently every month because it forces us to go through that exercise of, yes, I'm giving my tithe. I'm giving my tithe first. And it keeps your heart engaged in the process. So we personally like to do it manually manually for the sake of the engagement of our heart. 
So good. anyways, those are your life hacks. And if you guys have any questions as a result of this episode, please send them in to me. You can come find me on Instagram. Many of y'all know this at Java with Jen. And also don't forget to go to the merch store. I am about to take some items down that um, actually, oop, I already actually did take a bunch of items down. So, but I've put some new items up. So go and check it out. Merch is kind of turning over. There's delicious coffee. I need to order some more from Didami Coffee. They are amazing. So anyways, that was your topic this week on tithing. If it was helpful, share it with a friend. Mm -hmm. If you have questions, leave me a message, and I will catch you guys next week. Thanks, babe, for your time. You're welcome. All right, bye, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon. Or, of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, we have merch coming. Stay tuned, and I'll let you know when it hits the stores. Until next time, remember, you will fulfill your greatest destiny one day at a time.